Hi everyone, this is Joanne LaRock and this is a continuation uh, podcast of interviewing my husband, Mike LaRock or Michelle LaRock or Rocky. Rocky. <laughs> um, and uh, about his childhood when he was young, growing up in a large uh, French-Canadian uh, home. There were eight of eight kids in his family and his earlier podcast talked about when uh, he was uh, born at home and then where his family lived in Field, Ontario, near Sturgeon Falls, near which is near North Bay, Ontario. And then eventually they ended up in Azilda, which is part of Greater Sudbury, which is also considered uh, Northern Ontario, but there is still further northern places. <laughs> but anyway, uh, at the end of the first podcast, Mike was starting to talk a little bit about uh, uh, when he was uh, a little bit younger and uh, some of the stuff that he used to get into. Uh, he was a bit of a rascal, right, Mike? <laughs> yep, yeah. And uh, people thought your mother had braids uh, because she would go looking for you, but she didn't have braids. She had what did she have around her head, Mike? When she was around her neck, her neck when she was looking for you, one of my rascal dad, son. One of my dad's straps. Oh no, <laughs> belt strap. Yeah, it was more to scare us than anything else. Yeah, she she probably didn't use it right. Well, I did your... get a couple of good ones, but not that bad. I mean, it wasn't beatings. No. <laughs> Not like that, but... Uh, but you yeah. got into a bit of trouble. Can you talk about uh, that one story you tell us, us and our kids? Uh, <clears throat> something about your sweet mom. She's 93 years of age right now in July 2023. And uh, your poor mom. <laughs> yeah, How poor she mom. worked so hard with uh, with eight kids. But yeah. And your dad worked in the mines here in Sudbury nickel capital of the world but uh yeah let's let's get back into interviewing my husband and see how much of a bad boy he was <laughs> when he was younger and what he put his poor parents through okay mike take it away well this this specific time i was uh i i used to miss a lot of schools because i had uh always problems with my tonsils and uh, run fevers and cough a lot. So didn't you I, have scarlet fever at one time? Well, I, yes, a lot. When I was about uh, two years old, maybe a year and a half, two years old. Um. Anyways, this specific time I was home, I didn't go to school for a couple of days, and uh, I was always mischief, mischievous, <laughs> and looking for something to do. And anyways, my my mom was doing a a laundry, and um, she had one of those, uh, oh, what would you call it, ringer washers. They were like a, a, a large tub standing upright, and uh, once the, the clothes was, well, she used to push it to the kitchen sink to do her laundry. Anyways, um, she had the laundry going, and that old ringer washer was going shh, shh, <laughs> just going and I hear I was looking at it going like back and forth back you were mimicking forth. the washing yeah, machine kinda, yeah kind of oh my God. and and uh, my my mom always was careful when when she was washing because she was afraid also in that uh, 
uh, washer, ringer washer. It had that's why they called it a ringer washer. After the wash was done, they take the piece of the clothes and they put it they put it to a uh, light. They called it a ringer, and it was like uh, rollers, and it would just take the water out from the clothes. Anyways, she was always very careful to wash for that in case one of the kids would pull the arm on the rigger washer and get their hand or their arm stuck in there. Yeah. So she was doing laundry, and I was close watching at this, watching this. You're about eight. Uh, about so I'd say about eight years old. So okay. probably what 1962, 1962, 63, 63 whatever. Yeah. So the phone rings. She goes and answers the phone, and it was one of my aunts calling, my mom's sister-in-law. And, you know, they talk about once a week, but uh, mom knew that when that aunt called, it would be an hour call, right? So, so she answers the phone, and that's about the only time probably she had in a week to sit down for a little bit when she talked on the phone. So I was just looking at that old ringer washer all of a sudden, I thought, oh, I take the, there was like a hose uh, connected to that, the tub, and that's how you emptied uh, your, your washer after the end. So you take the hose and you put it in the sink, and you push an arm to the right, and then the water would start pumping out. So this thing was going shh, 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 shh. And then I take the hose, and instead of putting it in the sink, I put it on the floor. And why did you do that? I just don't know till this day. <laughs> I just don't know. Put a, and then put the arm on and the water starts. Like I said, it was running at the top sh sh and it was pissing out at the other end. <laughs> just water all over the kitchen floor, all over the house. So what happened then? Well, when mom saw that, she said, I better go, better go. And, well, she saw what happened. Oh my gosh, she wasn't happy. <laughs> what did you do? Stand there and look or no, take no. off? <laughs> well, I took off. <laughs> outside, eh? <laughs> I think I ran outside. That and my favorite spot was underneath the bed. I'd dive underneath the bed. Oh, <laughs> isn't that where you would discover your mom would hide sometimes the fruits? Well, yeah, well, yeah. That... You were notorious for always finding fruits and eating oh, yeah. them all before okay. the rest of the family. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love fruit. I, I Wasn't eat a there lot of it. some sort of truck or vegetable? truck that would go by Zelda or milk truck yeah. and yeah there was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Bellerose it's a French name Bellerose and he had a uh, a little little store a little market uh, right in middle of a Zelda kind of thing and um, he also had a, a big uh, truck that you could stand up in the box so what he'd do a couple times a week, I think he'd drive to Toronto and come back with a, a truckload full of fruit. You know, uh, apples, oranges, plums, cherries, blueberries. He had it all. Mm -hmm. And it was it was like a milkman, if everybody remember seeing milkman. There was a milkman also done the same thing. There was a bread man doing the same thing. Um, different vendors. Pop too, right? Well, that's what my dad's business. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so your mom would purchase so, all, uh, yeah, all the, of this fruit. Let's say on Saturdays or whatever, the truck would come around the street, drive slowly, and 
anybody wanted anything from Mr. Belrose's truck, he'd wave him down and he'd stop and open the open the door in his truck and put the ladder down and you go into his truck and it's as if you're in a store. Mm -hmm. So, of course, mom needed something or not, I was outside stopping the truck. <laughs> so, <laughs> mom would come out and she'd always buy something. So, uh, we did have a lot of fruit in the house, uh, lucky enough, because... Big family, but you still ate well. We we that's about it. We ate well, but we didn't dress well, and we didn't have nothing else to much. No, but no toys at Christmas. Well, very little. <laughs> yeah, maybe one toy a piece of some kind, and uh, never much of that. But we did. One thing I have to say, we ate well. Anyways, um, <clears throat> yeah, Mister Belrose, and we used to call him. <laughs> it's funny now in a way, but it's not nice. He was a big man with a big nose. <laughs> So we nicknamed him Mr. Ben Banana Nose. That's not nice, <laughs> Poor Mike. Guy. <laughs> That's not nice. I know it's not nice, but... <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. Yeah. But I'm sure you always were kind with them. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, we'd but say... You were, we, you we were a bunch of little kids. Yeah, we didn't him. call him that in front of him. No. So, but and that, I'm sure your mother would have chastised oh, yes. all of you for being like that. Mr. Banana Nose. Yeah. So, and then uh, there was a couple of other incidents. We'll get into a little bit of a heavy stuff. Uh, something about Pauline when she was young. What happened there? Well, that's still sad till this day. Uh, I might have been maybe six years old. I hadn't started school yet. Then you'd start school in grade one. There was no kindergarten or at all. So, yeah, you're almost... Um, yeah, I was six years old before yeah, I started school. For grade one. Anyways, um, my uh, older siblings all went to school. And where we lived, there was a two-classroom uh, uh, school. And it went from grade one to grade eight. But it was walking distance. It was close. So in the morning, we'd walk to school and come back for lunch, go back. And uh, anyways... Uh, I forget now if this was in the morning or after lunch. Uh, anyways, Pauline and Lillian, they were about a year apart. They were Pauline's older by a year. They were walking to school, so they they had their skipping ropes with them. It's half half uh, skipping and walking, and then they come up to the stop sign <coughs> at the end of our street to the highway. And then apparently one of them told the other, you look that way, I look that way. Somehow, I don't know what happened, uh, they started crossing. Pauline was a little bit ahead of Lillian, I guess, and she got hit by a car. So... Um, but she survived, I'll let the audience she, know. Yeah, right she, she survived. But how old was she about? Uh, well, she's what, two? Nine, ten? I was six, she was about nine, let's say. Mm -hmm. and, so what uh, happened after the car accident? Uh, did the person well, stay at least? Oh yes, the, the, the guy just, he stayed and he had a, he, he felt so bad and even after the accident she'd get presents from him and he was so uh, upset that that happened that it wasn't his fault. They crossed in front of him. 
So you know. what happened with her uh, when she got hit? Well, she uh, the ambulance came and uh, wound up. Uh, she had uh, she was in the cast. Uh, her pelvic. I well, she had a I guess broken pelvic, pelvis. was crushed and her legs. And her legs and she had broken legs and uh, quite a few broken bones, and she wound up in a body cast. Uh, from, from her neck down kind of thing to the bottom of her toes. For how long was she in this oh, body two, cast? Two, three months. And she also, what your mother was telling me, poor Pauline ended up having chicken pox yep. while yep. she was in, uh, in the this cast. full body cast mm -hmm. and pneumonia mm -hmm. because she couldn't get a full breath. So it really was difficult. It must have been so traumatic for Lillian mm -hmm. Uh, who was there at the time when all of this happened? Mm -hmm. So, what about when you were? And to this day, she Pauline is doing okay. Mm -hmm. uh, she's she's doing okay, folks. Uh, and what about you? Had some stories about attending school. You weren't a big fan of school. No. Can you tell me what happened in grade three? Well, there's a you know we had everything was rough and tough these days. In those the, days. In those days. And uh, the teachers, a lot of times, were they were in charge and they were abusive. Some of the teachers, yeah. So, yeah, well, a lot of them, I'd say. Yeah. Except for a couple I had. I've seen were, some of that myself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one specific case in grade three, it's uh, the principal that was, the school principal was also the teacher. So there was only uh, two teachers in the school because it was uh, two uh, classroom school. Mm -hmm. And uh, she happened to be my teacher. And I remember I was called in front to the blackboard. And what it was, it was like it's French grammar. So uh, I'm not going to start explaining how it works. And she was all upset at me because there's something I didn't understand. And after a while, she had her hand behind my head, banging my forehead against the blackboard. So, you know what? I didn't like going to school. So uh, that was in grade three, grade and three. Uh, the teacher would bang your head against, well, forehead did, against the chalkboard. She'd done that once. Once. In that day, That must day. have been a shocking uh, event and traumatic as yeah. well. You were only about 10, I, I would imagine. Nine, oh, well, that Nine, was ten. Uh, what grade three. Did know. your mother not, I think your mother talked to the school. Well, about the that. she went to the school and she took a piece out of the, <laughs> out of the principal. She, Good for your mom. Uh, oh, she was upset. Yeah. She was upset. And then there was another teacher that used to slap uh, the fingers of the boys in the class, right? With yeah. the ruler? Yeah, but with uh, uh, a 12 inch hardwood ruler. And why would she slap the fingers of the kids in the classroom? Well, we're tough kids. All the boys, all the boys, just all tough kids. Mm -hmm. That was in grade five, grade six, grade five or grade six. And, uh, you know, you'd walk in from, come in from uh, recess. And, you know, in the spring, you'd get your hands dirty, you know, boys are boys. And if your hands were, were not clean, as she was talking and, and walking between the rows, she always carried that 12-inch ruler. 
And a lot of times we got hit in the knuckles with it. Because she felt your fingernails or hands weren't oh, clean. That's right. Oh, yeah, you had to be squeaky clean. My goodness. That's why, till this day, even being a railroader and working on the railroad with slag and all kinds of dirt, till this day, I never have long fingernails. They're always trim and they're always clean. Yeah, because that teacher, even yeah. though it was abusive to be hit. Well, that was, yeah. But that's how it was. Uh, I remember my dad talking about stories like that, too, when he was young. <clears throat> and when I went to uh, the school in Fraserdale, I saw one of the teachers take uh, one of the boys in our classroom. I think it was grade eight. And he literally picked up the boy by the scruff of his neck and banged him against the wall in the classroom in front of everyone. And I was horrified. I remember the teacher's name and I just thought, wow, but it scared, it scared us so much to see that. Mm -hmm. But you know, that was the 50s, 60s, 70s, and that's how it was in a lot of these schools, uh, in regular schools, that's for sure, in Catholic schools as well, and, and so on. So now you, you did manage to go to high school. <clears throat> you didn't last very long, but there was something about a strike that you and your buddies organized at the high school in Chelmsford, and it hit the national news. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, you know what, what it was? And even there was walkouts and sit-ins in grade school, but I'm not going to talk about this one. It's basically the same. Uh, in high school, grade 9, um, I just rebelled against school and the school system, and the girls wanted to wear slacks well, to that, school. That, that was that wasn't the high school. That was okay. at the primary school. Okay, too. but um, I remember that um, time period. Yeah, so anything for an excuse not to be in class, to disrupt class, the school, the whole system, I was doing it. So, um, what was happening is that the um, for an excuse, what we did is we, we walked out at 11 o'clock in the morning uh, to support the teachers because they were going on strike because they didn't so, have a contract. So, so this time you were supporting the teachers. Well, we were supporting <laughs> the teachers, but it was just to not to go to school because you're going to replace them, mm -hmm. you know, with the scab teachers kind of thing and principals from other areas and whatever. So this was in Chelmsford? Yeah, Valley, which is near... Chelmsford Valley District Composite School. Okay. And what year was that about? Well, it had to be the late 60s because it was at the same time as you'd see on TV, like the, the protests, the Vietnam War, and that, that time period. I think it could have been, if I recollect, and your age, yeah, 1970, 69, yeah. yeah. So then it ended up on the news? Yeah, the 11 o'clock news. And it, uh, like a, uh, we, we, we did help a lot of the teachers uh, from, that, from that school board because they finally, within the second day, were all back in class and the teachers too. Mm -hmm. So I think they negotiated a decent contract. Now getting back with your family, uh, so all eight of you went to high school and secondary school mm -hmm. and uh secondary school but it mostly. must have been a lot of sandwiches your mother must have oh, made for everyone yes. did oh. she make a lot of pizzas for for your family and put them in the freezer yeah. <laughs> then Mom, if you went out with your yeah. buddies you knew yeah. that you could always get yeah. some food at the rock home 
He must have had uh, you know, 12, 15, 20 pizzas at a time within a day or two of making pizzas. And she had them all in the freezer. All we had to do is take out the pizza and put it in the oven, and there, the, the pizza was made. Like she would never say no to feed anyone. No, no. And I know many, many times, like that was a later, you know, when I started playing in the band and all that. Me and my buddies would come in a lot of times. Uh, if we weren't playing music, we were practicing. Like at a gig, we were practicing. And once we went back home, we'd go in and get into the pizza and, and dad's booze and my dad's beer. So, uh, yeah, sometimes two, three pizzas and a bunch of beer and whatever. And as far as the pizza, well, we were very thankful. Thanks to mom. She never said, you guys should be bringing all your buddies in, but... She never said no nope, to you guys, nope, any of you guys nope. having your friends over. Nope. And that's one thing for you and I, with our kids, uh, we have a total of <clears throat> six children, adult children now, and 13 great, 13 wow. grandchildren, <laughs> and 12, and uh, two great-grandchildren. But anyway, when we were uh, together with, uh, we had four kids living with us, uh, they would come with all their friends, and there's backward, back yard parties and swimming pool parties and and we always had lots of food for everybody lots and, of soup <laughs> you get into my wine and then get into your wine <laughs> but you used to get into your dad's beer so yeah. i guess it's sort of a family tradition yeah, with yeah. You. as long as dad was saying hey you guys don't get out of line he says you know what to do tomorrow and what was that go get some beer to replace what you took oh that's good dad never ran out of beer and your parents were devout churchgoers. Yeah. So did all of you guys go to church with your parents? Uh, mostly with Dad. Okay. Because uh, your mom was... Well, she, she wasn't, always... Yeah, wasn't always well, She's but she lived till 93 and that's gone. And she's still with us, she's thank still God. with us. And, but she always had the younger kids too, so... So your dad would bring the majority of you well, to church? Well, he'd bring... Yeah, the, the older kids to church. And sometimes it was me, Dan, and Dennis. And so when the three dad, of you. Yeah. <clears throat> and when Dad started uh, working on, on weekends and some Sundays, uh, the neighbor, Mr. Lamotte, which fortunately passed away a couple of months ago, um, he'd, he'd come in. Saturday, and he said, I'll be here to pick you guys up tomorrow morning at for a certain time. You're all coming to church. <laughs> so he'd bring, bring us all to church. And you never said no? No. <laughs> so you went to church. But didn't you have a hard time sitting in church? I remember you were saying. Yeah, yeah there was a, a time. For a couple you were of anxious years. about it. Well, anxious about everything, I guess. I didn't know that it was anxiety doing that then. And it was the same thing, kind of being anxious when I first started playing music. Uh, I don't know how I ever played in front of so many people, and because I had kind of not the same reaction of passing out, but in church for some reason, um, we'd come in. Um, De uh, Dennis, my brother Dennis, would go in. Let's say we had a bench with with three, like for three people. He'd go in, I was in the middle, and Dad was at the end, like close to the aisle. And, you know, up and down, sit up, sit down, get up, sit down. I'd, I'd get all of a sudden, I'd get all kind of sweaty, and 
uh, faint kind of thing and this, my dizzy kind of thing, so I'd, I'd have to sit down. And, and then I'd cool down, then it was okay, but it was almost every Sunday for, I don't know, for years. So they never said to you it could be an anxiety issue? No, or that, that word that, wasn't in yeah, nobody's vocabulary. That's then. true. They yeah. just probably thought you were stressed out about it a bit, going to Mass. No, they thought, I don't know, maybe I didn't eat enough. Okay, like that could have been. Well, yeah. I, I don't think I was. I could have been diabetic then, and I didn't know. Okay. At a very young age. Yeah. So, so I don't. I don't know, but it kind of passed. Yeah. Yeah. And your father was he a strict dad? Would you say your dad or not, or just let everything up to your mom? <laughs> everything up to mom. It's ba- basically until he got upset. When he got upset, he said it twice, and if he had to say it three times, get out of his way. That's where I learned the one, two, three, uh, <laughs> how to deal with kids. One, two, three. Don't say it more than three because I learned that. Yeah. No, no, no. What he taught, what he. You give them the eye. Yeah. He'd be sitting on his chair watching his TV or his sports, and mom would, you know, be upset at somebody or whatever until she'd say, Earl. Earl, <laughs> she wanted his backup, and if he disturbed himself, you didn't. You had done what you were supposed to do because he, you didn't know the consequences. <laughs> and what kind of uh, environment did your dad grow up with? Your your mom had a very strict mother. Yeah, and but strict. your dad had very easygoing parents. Oh, I'd say so. Yeah. yeah, very easygoing. Preparing my mayor, very yeah. easygoing. We'll have to in the next podcast talk about. Uh, it's ironic because at one time, you live with your grandparents, and at one time I live with my grandparents for for two different specific reasons, but we both had that similarity. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and any final thoughts on how wonderful your parents? are and were your dad's passed down sadly may rest in peace but your mom is still with us she's something else she's a wonderful kind sweet angel of uh, the wonderful mother-in-law for me and i've always uh admired your mother very kind very supportive um loving religious spiritual, spiritual yeah and just open-minded, though. She's mm-hmm. not closed-minded with uh, new ways of thinking or, or anything. But any final thoughts on, on your well, parents? Really, I have to say, you know, we're a big family. It wasn't always easy times that they were the best parents a person can have. Like, uh, I remember my childhood, and uh, other than going to school. <laughs> I love my childhood. I had a beautiful childhood. And I got into mischief, and uh, it's still, it's good memories. There's a lot of, I think about it and I laugh a lot. You laugh a lot when you think about big family dinners. Oh my gosh, yeah. Didn't your dad want pasta every night with no matter what meal your mother cooked? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For years and years and years, it doesn't matter if mom had meat, potatoes, vegetables, whatever. There's always had to be a side place, uh, a side plate of pasta macaroni pasta every kind of pasta you can imagine mm-hmm. yeah so we ate pasta potatoes meat and vegetables in the same plate 
But you weren't dessert eaters. No. I grew up with a, a French Canadian family too, and it was always save room for dessert. But in your family, <clears throat> there Des was, dessert wasn't even mentioned. No, dessert on Sunday. Oh, dessert on Sunday. Oh, yeah. On Sunday, <laughs> there was always a cake or pudding or some kind of dessert, but not every night of the week, no. Mm -hmm. My mom would make a cake and, you know, that meal, like out of uh, uh, eight, nine, we were ten with mom and dad, about half a cake would go and the rest, a lot of times, would would go dry. <clears throat> they wouldn't even eat it. Yeah. Yeah. So and you have uh, you're close with your brother and you have all your sisters except <clears throat> one Manik mm -hmm. who unfortunately passed away. Mm -hmm. She was fifty, <clears throat> and she had cancer. So uh, it's in every family. There's yeah. some. There's a lot of happiness and there's some sadness. Some there's more the sadness and a little bit of happiness, but. Yeah, we all miss Manick, your yeah. sister. We had fun and partied and laughed and yeah, we had many good times. She had a voice like Celine Dion. She sang at my father's funeral. I'll never forget that. And uh, she she was a special, special yeah. person. Yeah. Everybody loved Manick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So treasure the ones you have in your life and and what else can you say about your family to wrap up this well, podcast? I keep saying it was a perfect childhood. It was, to me, a very perfect family. Like, we, we, we all loved each other. We fought. We laughed. We. But you still loved each other. Everybody loved each other anyways. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Mike. Uh, we'll, Thank we'll, ta we'll do another podcast after this uh, down the line, and we'll talk about your... Mamere, prepare. Yeah, that, <laughs> That's another fun subject. fun subject. So if you want to reach out, please do so. I hope you enjoy this interview with my husband. <laughs> we both laugh when we look at each other. Uh, it's after 30, going on 32 years, second yeah. marriage for us both. So anyway, you take care. Thanks for listening. Bye.